Welcome back, everybody, to the BSE Podcast. This is the Celtics edition. This is our first ever um, Strictly Celtics podcast. We hope that you guys are going to enjoy it. So we're going to jump right into it. Um, I want to welcome Travis Babcock and Jack Buffett to the show. How are you guys doing? I'm good, man. How are you guys doing? I'm great. All right. Good. good. Celtics. Let's get it. You guys ready for uh? You, you guys ready for uh? Some Celtics basketball coming up shortly. Man, I cannot wait. Man, the season cannot come. I yeah, it's, it's like that anticip. It's like that anticipation that you just know it's going to be a good year. So like you want it to get here. You know, it's not like you know. Uh, you know, we're going to be. You know, we might be lucky to be forty-one and forty-one this year. Uh-huh. You know, it's 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 pretty much already in the playoffs. Oh, so yeah. uh, let's let's jump into this. Uh, Gordon Hayward, last week or yeah, I guess last week video came out or earlier this week that uh, he's back to uh, driving and dunking and um, you know putting his body back out there. What do you guys think about that? Yeah, man. So, yeah, he had a workout video posted by his trainer. Uh, he took his trainer for a two-handed slam, and uh, it turns out it was actually his first dunk since his injury last year. Um, it just, you know, with the Gordon Hayward injury last year and the expectations fell off the way they did, you know, Celtics felt like they're, you know, us fans felt like the season was over since game one of last year. And so watching him progress the way he has, um, and from watching him pick up rocks with his toes and struggle with that to now all of a sudden he's out there in the gym dunking again. He's being explosive. His ankle is cooperating with him thus far. It's supposedly healing perfectly. Um, it looks like he's going to be back to full strength, I think, soon here. I'm not sure if, you know, by the start of the season or not. I'm not sure if Brad Stevens wants to wean him back in or uh, if he's going to be full go right off the bat, but, uh, he's looking good, man. He's looking good. What do you think, Jack? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really encouraged by what I've seen from him. You know, it's only been positive stuff. He had that minor surgery back in either May or June and, you know, that was a little cleanup. And, but I mean, other than that, he's just been, it's been looking really good for him coming out, everything that's coming out of his camp. And I think as to your concern about, um, him being, or not a concern, but your question about him being worked back in or just thrown right in the, mixed with it. I think Brad Stevens, you know, coached him at Butler. He's known him for a while. I think he'll be, I think he knows his players. He'll be really, you know, receptive to that and willing to work with Hayward as to where he's at in his rehab. And I think if he's ready to go, then he's going to get right back in there. He's going to be in the starting lineup day one. He's going to play his minutes, his big minutes. And if he's not, then I think they'll take the time with him. He might, I doubt he'll come off the bench, but he might have that reduced role and reduced minutes. But, you know, I think I'm really encouraged by what I've seen out of that camp. Yeah, man. I mean, we're talking about a guy who two years ago was an all-star averaging 29.9 points per game. He had over five rebounds per game. He facilitates. He had three and a half assists per game in 2016. The dude has increased his numbers across the board every single year since his rookie season. I mean, it's so exciting because, like, we talk about Brad Stevens' effect, right? what he does, how he makes players that come into this organization better. He brings out the best in them. Well, he coached Gordon Hayward in college, 
Gordon Hayward came to Boston primarily because Brad Stevens is now the head coach. I mean, how much better could Gordon Hayward get? Are, do you think that like he could get us over this hump? Or are you concerned any bit about his long-term health, maybe his reliability with his ankle because of how severe the injury was? Um, I mean, I'm not really concerned too much about it. He's had, what, now 10 months almost to get, you know, really back into the swing of things. I think, you know, he's got a really good staff around him of training trainers and people who really know what's going on with his ankle. He's had a really good medical staff with him. And, you know, I'm just – I'm really excited to see him back on the court with the team because I think it's just going to be such a versatile lineup with him back in there. They're going to be able to do so much in terms of switchability and flexibility with their lineups. You know, Tatum at the four, Tatum at the two. It doesn't really – Brown at the three. It doesn't really matter where they put those guys. They're still going to be able to reproduce at a high level. Yeah, but, I mean, in terms of his ankle, I mean, I'm not, I'm not super concerned about it. I think he's going to be ready to go and that it's not going to be an issue for him. I think he's gaining that confidence back. You know, we saw in that video he was flying high, and I think just the confidence is he's – getting, he's getting it back which I'm excited about. I think the one thing that you really have to look at first and foremost is that this team, how stacked this team is, and they have the flexibility to be able to let him take his time to come back still, even though, uh, you know, everybody's going to want him out there game one, you know, out there producing 30 points a game or, or whatnot. We're, we don't have to worry about that. You know, we can let him go uh, a quarter of a season or even half the season and get him still back in. It's one thing to be, you know, dunking against your trainer. It's another thing when you're out there tangled up with with nine other people, you know, <clears throat> and banging bodies and, you know, God forbid that he steps on somebody else's ankle or whatever and, and, and hurts himself. Give him the time. Ten months is nowhere near enough time right now for this ankle to have enough time to heal to be 100%. Yeah, I mean <clears> – <throat> I think with a lot of injuries to athletes, especially one as severe as this one and as gruesome as this one, um, the one thing it's like, it's anatomically, yes, he might be getting back to hundred percent and he might be ready to go within the first month or so of the season. But like psychologically, that I think is where it comes down to is like, can Gordon Hayward, like, is he going to have PTSD? Like when he, like you said, wraps up with a bunch of other guys, maybe he lands on his ankle wrong. It might not like, it might just twist his ankle. He might just get a little sprain or something, but in his head, is he going to be able to handle full-out contact, you know, five-on-five basketball lives in a live setting right off the bat? I don't, I don't know. Yeah, and yeah. I mean, I mean, he's he's coming off this. It's a devastating injury, you know. We all saw it. His ankle was turned the wrong way, and I think definitely, you know, it's going to take a lot for him to get to a point on the court where he's like, yeah, this isn't a problem, where he doesn't even think about it, where he goes, yeah, it's not even a problem, but. Anthony, you touched on it really well. I think he really, they Celtics really do have that flexibility to get him back in there, and they don't really. The they, I'm not going to say they don't need him, but they have the ability to go without him for a stretch. Right. That's going to be really important in case he needs it. I mean, look at what they did last year. You know, case in point. You know, everybody when he went down, when he went down in the first game, all the season's over. You know, and then they they rear, they reel off. What was it? Twenty. 20 straight wins or whatever it was. Yeah, 16 straight. Yeah, so, so, I mean, the, the team is definitely stacked to be able to withstand if, if he's not there. 100%. I mean, they got the depth. They they were one win away from the game last year without him. Um, 
they have he's in the perfect organization to get back to full health um, and take his time. Absolutely. Um, so this part will probably be cut out by um, Michael. Um, so Anthony, are you going to want to just like uh, bring up the next topic each time, kind of thing? No, you can go ahead and go down it. You want me to go down it? Yeah, go down the list. Okay, cool. All right. Reinsert. So Paul Pierce uh, was talking uh, on ESPN the other day about uh, the chances Boston wins um, title next year. Uh, he had some interesting comments I would like to read to you guys, um, his quote on it, and then we can talk about it a little bit back and forth. He said, uh, and quote, you have to sacrifice if you are truly committed to trying to win a championship. They're going to win a lot of games, but unless they sacrifice, because we know they're going to be better than probably what their numbers show, if they can sacrifice, they'll win a championship this year because the talent is definitely there. Um, I think essentially what he's trying to say is if you can remove the ego from the equation and you maximize the roles and abilities, that this team could beat the Golden State Warriors or the Houston Rockets of the world and be titled Title content beyond title contenders, title champions this year. What do you guys have to say about his comments? Absolutely, no question. I agree 100% with what he's saying, but I don't know. That's the wild card this year is how much of an issue that's going to be for the team is the egos and the everything. Because last year, the roles got switched all around due to the Hayward injury and then the Kyrie injury. It just it messed everything up in terms of, you know, Terry Rozier had to step in there. Morris got a lot of minutes, you know, a lot of guys who weren't, I don't think, expecting to play as much as they did getting those minutes. And so I don't know if that – we have the talent. No question, we have the talent. But with the mix of guys we have here and the mix of egos, I think it's going to be a learning curve for them to really get back into it. And I, so I don't know if they'll have that string of success right at the beginning of the season like they did last year. But I think if they take the time to really learn each other and get back into it, I think they absolutely have a chance at the title this year. I think this is going to be Brad Stevens' biggest challenge is how he can manage the minutes with his team and basically be able to keep everyone happy and keep everybody on the same page. <clears throat> I think the key word here is like the key phrase would be uh, growing pains. You know, uh, they Kyrie and Gordon said right off the bat before next uh, last season even started was that they were going to go through growing pains. You know, bear with us. Like we're going to have our ups and downs. We're a new team. Um, four returning players from last year or two years ago from last year. Um, now they're going to have to go over it again. You know, the only difference is this last team took went within one game of the NBA Finals without their two best players. And so I, I just, I'm a little bit worried about how egos are going to shape up with Jason Tatum, you know, set to take up that next leap to become that, you know, to become an all-star player, to become a superstar player. And then you have Jalen Brown who uh, welcomed Jason Tatum in with open arms last year. Sure, you know, they had Jenna Juice going on, but how is Jason, the, these small things like this, how is, Jalen Brown going to react if Jason Tatum comes in next year and just dominates, takes over, takes that leap above, separates himself from Jalen Brown when Jalen Brown just a year before was supposed to be that guy. And Jalen Brown doesn't take quite that leap. You know what I mean? It's like things like that. Like, do you guys see that, like that dynamic between Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum working out. Okay. Um, you have Kyrie Irving, you have his whole thing with him wanting to be the identity of a team that has budding superstar and Jason Tatum, you know, 
They have Gordon Hayward coming back from an injury who keeps getting better and better every year. Who knows? He might even be the best player on the team next year. You know, like how are they going to like forgo those egos, forgo those little things? Like, do you think this team has the chem, like the makeup? The old- that- Go, ahead. Go ahead. All right. The only guy, I have two guys I have a little bit of concern about, a little doubt in my mind. First guy is Terry Rozier. Obviously, you know, he got to, he's had the chance to shine last year and he took it, stepped in that starting role. First game he started, I think he had a triple double or something like that. And then he just went on a tear. You know, Scary Terry was born. He had a crazy playoffs. He balled out. But he's good. He's going to have to take a backseat this year again to Kyrie. And he's going to have to get back in that backseat. And so I don't know if, you know, that Scary Terry stuff, it, if it got into his head a little bit, and that's going to be a problem. And also, you know, Marcus Morris, I mean, with Hayward back, I feel like he's the, He's the odd guy out of the rotation there. And, you know, I feel like he expects to get minutes, and I don't think he's going to receive as many as he thinks. So those are my only two concerns. But other than that, you know, I really don't think that this team is going to have any, like, personality clashes other than, aside from those two. From what I see, I think that you have to you have to look at not only Brad Stevens, but you got to look at Danny Ainge, too, and how they run this team from the top up. I mean, from the top down that even like you see, I don't know if you guys seen the videos of Terry Rozier playing basketball that came out a couple of days ago and he was all about the offense and slamming and everything. And Danny Ainge was ripping him about where's your defense on Twitter. So I think that it starts from the top of the organization and the respect that these guys are going to have to have for the entire organization and get it out of your head that it's not about you it's about us and and i think that's the mentality of all boston teams right now if you really look at it you know with the red sox how they're playing how the patriots have done for the past 18 years i think all the boston teams have taken on that whole same mentality that we're a team it's not about coming in and about being us about me so Hopefully that's the mentality that they come in with. You know, they're all going to eventually, obviously, if you're a part of a championship winning team, you're going to get paid, whether it's here or whether you move on to another, you know, another team. Uh, Jalen Brown, I don't know if you guys caught the Bloomberg uh, interview the other day, but this kid is for 21 years old or 22 years old, whatever he is, he's a brilliant mind uh, for his age. I mean, he's beyond basketball already. He's using this as a platform for his afterlife of basketball. 100%. I mean, the guy was like, he was taking graduate level courses, you know, in his freshman year at Berkeley. Uh, he had a, um, I don't know if you guys saw it earlier this summer, but he actually spoke at a Harvard graduation earlier this year. I mean, the dude is 21, 22 years old now. And yeah, yeah, you're 100 percent right. Like, act, like he has he has the basketball mind. He has the right mindset. He is trying to become, you know, leader of the players' association one day. Um, all of these guys seem like they have that personality thing, and I think that's where Paul Pierce is trying to say is um, when the 08 when the 08 team was formed, you have guys like Paul Pierce who was the individual guy of the Celtics. You have Ray Allen who was one of the greatest shooters of all time, the greatest shooter of all time at that point in time, in my opinion. And Kevin Garnett, you know. And you have three individual personalities who they figured out a way to mesh together and 
forego individual egos for the greater good of the team, like you're saying, Anthony. Um, Paul Pierce just wants this Celtics team because he sees so much of the himself and his 08 team in this team to do the same. And I, th- I think they can do it. I think you're right. I think, Jack, you hit on it a little bit. I think that this team, um, they understand their roles. And uh, I think they're I think they're just, they're more excited than even we are to get the season underway. Everybody coming back. Yeah, and I heard that they're, you know, they're all, they all want to get to training camp early, which I love to hear out of that camp, you know, that they all want to really get back into basketball. And that's just awesome for me to hear as a, you know, fan of the team that they all really want to, Get back in the game. Yeah. So the next stop I'd like to run run with you guys. Uh, we haven't talked a whole lot about Robert Williams. Uh, we did. We've only done one of the Celtics podcasts. We touched on him a little tiny bit in that last podcast. Um, he is our only draft pick this year, and uh, he did. He missed. He missed the summer league. A little bummed about that with his knee injury. Um, however, good news is his knee is reportedly healing well and that he is expected to be full go before the start of training camp. Um, I'm really curious about Robert Williams. We all know that he has the talent, you know, to, to become successful in this league. He was projected to be a lottery draft pick before his, uh, outside of basketball character issues kind of started flaring up, um, right around, you know, the draft time. Um, I just wanted to get your guys' opinions on what you guys see, like for expectations for uh, for Robert Williams this season, if he can maintain, you know, being healthy and going into the season ready to rock. Um, you know, I don't think he'll have as, I think he'll have a really small role within the team. You know, I think we're getting used to rookies getting thrown right in the mix. You know, Jalen Brown was right up there. Tatum last year, obviously. Semi Ojale even was right in the mix in the rotation. And I just think with the depth that this team has, Williams isn't going to see the court a lot. I think he'll be a garbage time player for the first, at least for the first couple months. And I just think they're going to take they're going to take it slow with him. I think they want it to develop, especially you know with all the off the court stuff that's going on with him. I think that's what they're going to really focus on is just developing him as a player before they throw him into game action. I mean, you hit it. You hit it exactly. And I think that that this pick was not something for this year. It, it's for the future. I mean, we got a lot of contracts that are coming up uh, in the near and and you know in the coming season. So I think this is let's see what you can do. Let's see if we can develop you into that player that could be something for the future for us. And I don't think that it's that big of a deal this year. And plus, it didn't hurt that you know uh, with him not being able to make his press conferences and all that. At least he got an apartment right next door to. To the train, to the camp. Two minutes away, he says. So we can't be late. Yeah, I, I enjoyed that. You know, I like that he's taking it in stride, and you know, he, he understands what he's got to do. And I think I like that he's being, you know, a little bit lighthearted with it. And he got, and he, you know, he's messing around with it. I like it. For me, for me, I look at his college stats a little bit, and uh, you know, he averaged eleven points, nine rebounds a game. But to me, two point five blocks per game that stands out to me because Boston, they are the number one defense team in the league. Last year, they were the number one ranked defense, but their biggest weakness is stout interior defense. And I think a rim-protecting guy like like Robert Williams, if we're going to go into ceiling and floor, so I might just jump into that right now, if he can value, like make the absolute best of his small opportunities, which I think you're right, I think he will only get a very few garbage time minutes early on, but if he can make the most out of that, you know, come in, block some shots, run the floor, 
um, get some tip-ins, maybe some put-back dunks, um, just clean up, you know, and hustle. Really, I think that's the key is just showing that he cares, showing that he wants to make the most out of his opportunity. I think that, in my opinion, this season, his best-case scenario would be that he would be a valuable bench player that can actually anchor the post for the second unit. I think that he could be as good as a second unit player um, going into just this season. I think that his career-wise, a lot of people compare him to DeAndre Jordan. Um, they compare him – he's the go-to comparison because of the fact that he is a defensive game-changer and a wheat above-the-rim talent, but has zero offense, has no footwork in the post, um, has no real touch. He can't just can't shoot outside of five feet. Um, but the defensive potential is really there with Robert Williams, in my mind, in my opinion. I think his floor, real quick, just touch on that. I think that if he continues to struggle off the court and he continues to just have this nonchalant, like show up to late practice type attitude, where he's just just not giving it his all, which Boston is that is not how Boston works. We all know Boston sports is all about like we talked about, sacrificing your ego, your individual statistics, his talent for the good of the team. And if he can get on board with that, he'll be great. But if he can't, I don't see him getting off of, getting off the bench this year. Correct me if I'm wrong. Isn't that the same thing that the same reason or the same issues that followed him out of college? Yes. Laziness and not wanting to run the floor? 100%. He just doesn't seem like he cares. That's – that was like his main number one issue. That's why he fell from being a lottery pick to end of the end of the first round. I guess that's why mm, maybe the Celtics took him as a project type player. That you know we really don't need this guy, but if we can turn him around, then he'll be uh, uh, you know beneficial to us in the future. You know, absolutely. And then, you know, everything Travis said, you know, about his offensive liabilities and his work ethic, you know, the Celtics knew that going in. I think, you know, they drafted him knowing what he was going to bring to the table. I mean, the Celtics have a lot of offensive firepower. They got Tatum, they got Kyrie, they got Hayward, you know. I think they brought him in for the deep is what I feel like. And, you know, he's a little bit undersized. He's 6'9", 230, but he's a freakish athlete. And I think that's going to help him out a lot in terms of, you know, being able to defend that rim. And he's got a lot of versatility, like you said, and he's going to be able to, you know, really cause a cause a disturbance under the hoop. But, you know, offense is a liability. I mean, you, Hayward, I mean, uh, not Hayward, Horford, you know, he's got that shot that extends all the way out to the three-point line, and we're used to seeing that from him. And, I, you know, Bain started having that three-point shot as well, and we don't really have a center roster who we don't really have a player on this roster who can't shoot. Sure. And can't shoot, which is going to be a problem. But, you know, ceiling, like you said, he could get – I think he could take over, you know, Daniel Tice's role or maybe uh, eat into Aaron Baines' minutes a little bit if he really shows that development. But, you know, I don't – I just – like I said, I don't expect him to play much at all this year. If I could if I could just get into Brad Stevens here real quick, if I just could phone him up and give him one suggestion about Robert Williams next year, I would tell him to put – his locker next to Al Horford's. I think Al Horford as the the you know the veteran, the dad of the team. I think also being a host player, if he can just stick on Horford's side and just 
let him mentor him, I think that would be the absolute best case scenario for Robert Williams, especially as such a young guy coming onto this team. Um, turns out that uh, there was an actual an article posted by SB Nation uh, just yesterday that Robert Williams was coached in high school by the Atlanta Hawks head scout who uh, scouted Al Horford and worked with Al Horford the last couple years until I believe 2013. So his head coach instilled a lot of the same principles that he many years ago instilled in Al Horford. So I think that like Robert Williams already has a sense of respect for Robert for for Al Horford. Uh, I just think that if I could tell Brad Stevens to do one thing, put those two together, let him follow him around all year. Absolutely. I mean, I think that's the one thing Williams really needs is some guidance. He needs someone to t- show him the ropes and tell him where to go, and he needs that really, I think, presence on the team. And I think he didn't really get that in college, but he'll have it here, whether it's with Horford. You know, Baines has been around the block. He's got a ring, I think. If Williams is willing to learn from these guys, he'll have a much better shot at getting an increased role this year and beyond if he's just willing to take lessons and advice from those guys. Absolutely, absolutely. So would you say, so what would you put real quick, just to touch on it, what's your ceiling and floor for Robert Williams this year, this year, by the end of the year? Ceiling, he comes off the bench eighth. Okay. Eighth off the bench. Floor is he gets sent to the D-League. I think that's a real possibility for him. I think so, too. I think you're right. What about you, Anthony? Ceiling floor. I mean, I'll, I'll have to go basically with Zach. You know, it's – he, again, he's not going to get much time. It's, you know, he's going to be, a, you know, back of the back of the bench player. So, you know, I, I, if that's, you know, if he if he's been under all these all these, you know, coaches and all, just as you said, if he's willing to take the advice and he's willing to grow, then then we'll start to see it by midseason. If not, then. They'll, you know, they'll make, you know, do with what they have to do because it's not like he's really needed. 100%. Um, last topic I want to touch up with you guys, and I know that Kyrie Irving's name has been floated around plenty this offseason with his contract situation with the Celtics, um, him readdressing the future with the team, but not all, but at the same time not really being very vague um, in his responses, um, noncommittal past this year. Uh, ESPN had a couple of con- like a couple of countering points really that kind of re- was released the last couple of days. Um, the first point was ESPN's Kevin Arnovitz was on the jump this week. He was discussing Kyrie Irving's long-term future with the team. Uh, he had something interesting to say. He said, "My best intel is that the Celtics and Kyrie have a pretty good mutual understanding that he wasn't going to get traded in the off-season." and that there are long-term aspirations for both parties. Anything can happen over the course of an eight-month season, but I kind of like him staying. So, in, you know, inside sources by an ESPN guy saying that he believes the team behind closed doors, behind the curtains, not publicly, believes they have a good chance of keeping him long-term. That's good information. However, ESPN also gathered a forecast panel together earlier this week um, to discuss, in their opinion, as they took a big poll, where is Kyrie Irving going to land next season? Number one, they had the New York Knicks 
outlasting the Celtics with 46.9% of the vote going there. Boston had a 43.8% chance, according to this poll, followed by Brooklyn, Los Angeles, Clippers, and then the Lakers at five. What do you guys think about that? We have two counter. We have two countering points. We have one ESPN analyst saying that he is going to stay and that his inside sources are telling him they like their chances, and then we have an entire forecast poll voting against it. Um, you know, we've heard a lot, a lot, like you said, a lot about Kyrie Irving this season. You know, I think it really started when he turned down that extension or said at the beginning of the summer that he wasn't going to explore an extension with the Celtics, which that makes financial sense to him. That's not something that concerns me because that's a smart financial thing to do. He gets more money no matter where he goes if by turning down that extension. But it just concerns me how little Kyrie Irving has been willing to say on the matter. You know, he's been he said he's been super vanilla about it. He goes, um, you know, he's I don't like that he's hasn't said anything that will give Celtics fans a little bit of confidence this year. That's the only thing that I feel like I don't like about this situation. But yeah. you look at the teams, you look at the Celtics, you look at the Knicks. Which team is more built for success? The Celtics. Which team is built to win now? The Celtics. You know, I mean, I think it's going to come down to winning versus wanting to go home, which is that's been the driving force behind this is that Kyrie wants to go play for his hometown Knicks. And that's the that's the decision he'll have to make this offseason. Does he want to go does he want to win or does he want to be a hero? It 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 goes to which which ego does he want more? Does he want that money to go to the Knicks, be the main focus, and try to, you know, bring his hometown team back to the promised land? Or does he want to stick with the Celtics, make a little less money, and actually win some championships with the possibility. You know, the, the, none of these leagues are built for you to go on a run and win multiple championships. Mm-hmm. We're seeing it with the, uh, mm-hmm. with the, you know, with Golden State and everything. Could the Celtics possibly be the next Golden State Warriors? Mm-hmm. I'm not going to say they're at that status yet. You know, but they have the they have the possibility if they have the right amount of players sacrifice the money to be able to keep the team together. And in this day and age in the league, with the way the money, the, how big the money is, I don't see it happening. So where do you where do you see him uh, ending up next year? What would be your prediction, Anthony? Um, unless there's a handshake deal behind the scenes. I see him jumping to go into the Knicks. How about you, Jack? There's just, there's just too many. Sorry, Jack. There's just too many. Um, there's too many players on the Celtics for somebody like Kyrie to want to stay. Yeah, and I mean, the only other thing is Kyrie left the Cavs to be a leader, and if he feels threatened in that leadership role this season by you know Tatum or Hayward or Anyone, I think that'll give him cause for concern and make him more likely to leave. But, you know, I mean, he's the leader of the team here. And I think if he wants if he wants to win, which I think I think that's important to him, I think, he, I think that's something that is in his future that he wants, I think he'll stay. I, that's where I see him this year. I think as long as the Celtics don't flop this year and 
end up doing horribly, you know, against all odds or whatever. I think if they make a good run at it, he'll want to stay with the team and, you know, try for another one next year. Yeah, I think I think giving him another year of chemistry under his belt, playing with Gordon Hayward, something that apparently he's been wanting to do for several years now with that report of him uh, recruiting Gordon Hayward back in 2014 to the Cavs before LeBron James joined. Um, I think that, you know, he, he mentored Jason Tatum, so he's got a connection there. Uh, he appreciates good coaching. He's got Brad Stevens. Um, he's had his little, like, weird spiffs going on where he doesn't really talk about winning all that much. I know that he had this interview where he mentioned um, the pressure of being in an NBA Finals and how he didn't like the constant, like, limelight always on him and the pressure to do to, – to, to be in that situation. So it is interesting about the whole winning topic because I'm not sure how truly committed he is to winning. I think maybe, you know, he spends most of his off season in New York. You know, you see, well, I don't know if you guys follow him on Snapchat or Instagram, but a lot of the time he's in New York doing something, whether it's Hollywood, whether it's movie premieres or hanging out with buddies, he loves that city. So it does scare me a little bit, but I do think, you know, Boston made it through the off season this year um, without any real trade threats. There was no, like, there was a little like rumors here and there about him potentially being traded. Um, but no real ones coming from the actual front office of the Celtics, which tells me that Danny Ainge must feel at least a little bit confident that he can retain Kyrie Irving, because I do believe that Brad, that, that Danny Ainge is a good enough GM to where if he feels threatened, if he feels that Kyrie Irving is going to leave this team, he is not going to let Kyrie Irving walk by the end of the season. I believe that he will be traded by the trade deadline if they have a conversation that does not give Dan, uh, Danny Ainge conf any confidence in Kyrie Irving moving forward. So they made it through the offseason. So I think right now he's got to feel good. I think we'll have to wait and see by midseason where we're at and touch on that topic. I think that you just let it play out. We'll see what, what happens. And, and again, if they don't think that he's gonna he's gonna stick around, you know, pull the trigger, get something in return before you let him walk without anything. Amen. I'm ready though. You guys ready for some basketball this season? Oh man, I can't wait. Yeah, wait, dude. Sixty days, two months. I, I got my plate full. Um, Patriots, Red Sox. Now you know, waiting on the Celtics. Even waiting on the Bruins, I'm ready. To, you know, I'm ready to see a little bit of everything. But uh, yeah. So, you guys got any closing final words? Um, go ahead, Jack. No, uh, I don't really have much to say. You know, go Celtics. Can't wait for year two of Jason Tatum. I think he's going to be even better than he was last year. You know, really make that big second year jump. And man, man, I'm I'm looking forward to continuing these podcasts with you guys and uh, talk Celtics throughout the season when the season hits and just talk some more ball. It's always a great time to be on the cast, and I hope uh, I hope everybody enjoys listening to us. And just wanted to, you know. Yep, definitely. <laughs> but uh, so we're gonna wrap this one up. Um, you know, thank you guys for coming on. Good podcast. Got a little little information out there. Um. For everybody else out there, you can find this podcast on pretty much any um, any platform that you listen to your podcast, iTunes, TuneIn, uh, Spotify, 
uh, Google Cask or Google Play Store, whatever. Um, pretty much it. We're we're on everything out there. Just look us up, Boston Sports Club, Boston Sports Extra Podcast. Um, you guys want some great stories, articles written? Check out our website www.bostonsportsextra.com. Uh, these guys are always uh, busting their butt to give you an unbiased uh, opinions of Boston sports. Along, so you know, uh, definitely check us out. Uh, give us a review, and uh, until next time, go Celtics. <laughs>